Back some years ago when I ran, I would do road races, run 5K and 10K, never did a marathon. Uh, but I learned in training and racing that the meal the night before the race was important. And runners and cyclists and marathoners do something they call carbo load. Uh, you eat pasta the night before to make sure that you've got the energy reserves to carry you through, through the race, through the event. Sports teams eat well the night before, or should eat well the night before. Some of you don't know this, but I played football in the seventh grade in the spring. And it was before I was this big. And um, I, that was back in the day when the padding that went around here was all one piece. Do, do you remember uh, back a uh, back long time ago the ski belts when you went water skiing? And it was the, the thick white. It was kind of that kind of padding, a little thinner. And uh, I went to get my equipment as a little seventh grader and I put that padding on there and cinched it down as tight as I could and took my hands away from it and it was all one piece and they went to the ground. Uh, and that was back in the day when the air helmets were kind of new and the starters, uh, the ninth graders, uh, got the got the air helmet. So you'd put the helmet on and there's a little pump you would put and it would form fit to your head to protect you. And then, then the lesser helmet was the Rydell helmet and it had these little squares in there, Jim. You remember those little squares in there to protect your head? And so when I went to get my helmet, uh, those helmets were white. And when I went to get my helmet, all the white helmets were gone. There was one helmet left. It was blue. And uh, this blue helmet had a face mask where right here at my eyes was open and the face, the face mask kind of went down this way. Uh, and there was no air in that helmet. And there was no Rydell padding in there. It was webbing and shoestrings uh, in there. So needless to say, after that seventh grade spring season of football, I decided I need to do something else. So I became uh, a manager and uh, started managing uh, sports in middle school or junior high, they called it then, and then in high school. And then down at Martin Methodist in college, I was a baseball manager. And that, that pregame meal before the contest is so important. Uh, and at Coffee County High, we would go to the Jeffy Burger in Manchester, and there we would, we would share Salisbury steak with a baked potato uh, pregame to make sure we had the energy reserves for, for the game. And, and then when I was at Martin Methodist, our baseball team, one of those years, was ranked second in the nation. Now, that was junior college, ranked second in the nation. Brother Frank knows about baseball at Martin Methodist. And the, and, the, and the budget was really low. So what do you cut out when your budget's really low? You begin cutting out your meals and your nutrition. We were in the state tournament up at Shelby Park in Nashville playing for the state championship, and we lost. And years later, when we got back together, our coach said, that the reason he thought we had lost, not because of skill, but because of nutrition. We didn't eat right. We weren't prepared for that game. We, we, we didn't pregame uh, our contest with, with, with a meal. Uh, in our text today, Luke chapter 4, Jesus pregamed his confrontation with the devil. He pregamed by fasting. 
totally opposite of what we do for an athletic contest. He, he emptied himself physically. No carbo loading, no meal at Jiffy Burger. Jesus went to his confrontation, stomach empty and spirit filled. Friday was St. Patrick's Day, Patrick's Day and uh, Patrick, following Jesus, climbed a, a mountain in Ireland now called Krogh Patrick. And, and on one or several occasions, St. Patrick would go and he would stay and he would pray for 40 days on that mountain. Patrick was devoted to prayer, constant communion with God. And he knew that his strength came from one place, from one place. His strength was in Christ. Now, our society on Friday, St. Patrick's Day, didn't talk about where St. Patrick's strength came from, did, did we? There were other festive things that took place. In about 452 A.D., Patrick wrote these words. I would wake up before daylight to pray in the snow, in icy conditions, in rain. Because, as I see now, the Spirit was burning in me at that time. Patrick, Spirit-filled, self-emptying. Self-denial and emptying of self and being in prayer isn't a foreign concept to us Christians, nor to us Methodists. We just prefer comfort over self-denial. Jesus is prepared. He's hungry. He's in discomfort. And the devil comes to him to tempt him. Now this is no contest of equals. And Jesus is spiritually prepared. And he is pre-gamed spiritually. So I want to invite you to join me at, uh, at Luke chapter 4. As we read together. We, we've been taking the slow train as I call it through Luke chapter 4. Uh, in this season we call Lent, it's uh, 40 days, not counting Sunday, leading up to, to Easter. It's a, it's a time of preparation for Easter, and uh, we're taking the slow train through, through Jesus' time in the wilderness. Hear these words from Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity 
came. This is the word of God for the people of God and all of God's creation. Thanks be to God. Jesus' stomach was empty and his spirit was full of the Holy Spirit. And the devil came to Jesus and tempted him. Remember, this is no contest of equals. The devil seeks to unseat and unsettle Jesus. The devil was bold enough to tempt Jesus, the Son of God. You and I, we're a piece of cake. In our times of perceived strength, in our times of perceived weakness, we are tempted. And you and I can either react or we can respond. We react in our brokenness or we can respond in holiness with Jesus as our strength, our model, our champion, and our victor. As you have maybe studied uh, Jesus' time in the wilderness and temptations, uh, folks have attempted to categorize these three temptations with uh, clever words. Uh, you know, words that all begin with an A or three words that begin with B. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I was kind of reflecting on that because I really like those different angles that it presents to, to the temptation story. But I was thinking about three. And what, what does three mean in Scripture? Three in Scripture means wholeness and completeness and perfection. And so I, I'm just wondering if these three temptations indicate that Jesus was completely tempted. Uh, so today I want to use one of those categories. It's uh, three A's to take an angle to the temptations. Appetite, ambition, and approval. Appetite, the need of satisfaction. Ambition, the need of strength. Approval, be the Messiah everyone wants rather than the misunderstood Redeemer. Appetite speaks to us, I will never have enough. Ambition, I will never accomplish enough. Approval, I will never be enough. Jesus hungry, stomach empty, the devil comes to him and says, take this bread, if you are the Son of God, take this, this stone, turn it into bread. And Jesus responds, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Deuteronomy 8, chapter, uh, verse 3. Jesus responds to God's faithful character to his people, to his people in the wilderness, when the Israelites were unfaithful, God was faithful. Ambition. The devil says, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. From Deuteronomy chapter 6, 13. That comes just after the portion of the daily Shema, the, the daily centerpiece of morning and evening prayer for the Israelites. Approval. The devil says, throw yourself down for it is written. And he, and he cites Psalms 91. Did you notice that two times Jesus says it is written and then the devil says, I'll get in on that a little bit. It is written. 
and, and sought to, to uh, use the written word against Jesus, to confuse Jesus, to, to turn Jesus away from the truth, a distortion of the truth. We see that also in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve and the serpent, where the serpent destroys, distorts the truth and, and tries to turn Adam and Eve away from the truth. And, and Jesus, instead of saying, it is written, this time he says, it is said, Deuteronomy 6, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus' response, twice it is written, one time is it is said, calling on the entirety of the covenant communion of Israel leveraging the mass of spiritual equity of the faithful who had gone before. Jesus uses one weapon, one weapon, Scripture, written, the, the written word, paper and pen, or in Jesus' day, papyrus and soot ink. It is said, said, spoken, verbal, pronounced, written word, and spoken word. Scripture is meant to be read. Even read aloud. Even read aloud when you're reading it by yourself. Read aloud. In your home. In your daily practice. Meant to be read. Even read alone. Scripture is not a book that we take and put on the shelf with our other books. It's not a book that we leave on the nightstand or the lampstand that gets dusty. It's not a coaster for our drink. Scripture is meant to be read, even read aloud. J.D. Walt created a beautiful poem. Now, it's one of those non-rhyming poems. We call it a poem, but it's non-rhyming. That always threw me off in elementary school. It's a non-rhyming poem. and J.D. captures the significance of the word with words that of Scripture speaking about Scripture. He writes this, I believe in the living Word of God, who is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And I believe in the written Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Spirit-inspired authority of the people of God. God's Word endures forever, is sweeter than honey, more precious than gold, Sharper than a double-edged sword, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word is perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant, pure, firm, and flawless. It refreshes the soul, makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's Word teaches, corrects, rebukes, and trains. It cleanses and prunes, feeds and nourishes, is purposeful and powerful. It burns like a fire in my bones. It always accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. God's Word will be on my heart, on my gate, on my doorpost. I'll talk about it when I lie down and when I wake up and when I walk along the road. I will read, ruminate, rememorize, research and rehearse it, building my life on the rock of God's Word. Indeed, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. It will be first word. It will be last word. This is God's word. We Methodists, we are people of one book. Now, I know in our denominational conversations, there's another book called the Book of Discipline that's getting some airplay. 
I will never ask you to bring the book of discipline to worship. But I will ask you to bring the word of God, the scriptures, to worship. To read and study. Uh, for us, the scripture is the primary source and criterion for our doctrine. That through scripture, the living Christ meets us in an experience of redeeming grace. The biblical authors illuminated by the Holy Spirit bear witness that Christ in the world, is, that we, that bears witness that the world is recon, reconciled to God. The Bible bears authentic testimony to God's self-disclosure in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's work of creation, the pilgrimage of Israel, and the Holy Spirit's ongoing activity. And when we open and we read, we're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Faith is born and nourished, and our understanding is deepened, and the possibilities for transforming the world becomes apparent to us. Scripture is all that and more. Is it any wonder why we in the church have disagreements about the role of Scripture in our lives as individuals and as a church? Is it any wonder why, why it's so hard for us to set aside significant time of reading, memorizing, researching, and rehearsing Scripture? Is it any wonder that we get distracted when, when we decide to read and study? Have you ever sat down to read Scripture and then all of a sudden, all the things you've got to do today enter your mind? Is it any wonder when you sit down to read Scripture, oh, I need to go over to Amazon and purchase? Is it any wonder when you sit down to, to read Scripture, you find, all of a sudden, you find yourself on your phone checking social media? Is it any wonder when you sit down to read Scripture that all of a sudden you wonder what's going on on the news networks? Is it any wonder when you sit down to read Scripture that you are tempted to go watch a, a, another game? Is it any wonder that even in the church there's a diminishing view of the role of scripture and believe me it is not jesus who is distracting us from reading scripture jesus had one weapon when he faced the devil and jesus is not distracting us from himself it is written and it is said there is power when we read this, we're connected with our Savior. We see God's will for us and for the world. And the devil wants you and I to be distracted from the Word. To diminish the role of the Word in our lives. So next time you sit down to read Scripture and you get distracted, it's not Jesus distracting you. Know your enemy. Jesus did what Israel could not do. Jesus did not fail. Jesus is the true and better Israel in the wilderness. Jesus was tempted to use his power to feed himself. Jesus didn't make bread for the stomach. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus didn't use His power for His own benefit. He laid down His power for you. Jesus chose the hard route, the difficult road for your sake, going all the way to the cross for you.
Jesus was solidly loyal to his Father so that we can be loyal to you. Jesus' allegiance was settled so your allegiance can be settled as well. James would write, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Located up here on the communion rail are some New Testament Bibles. If you don't have one, these are free. That means they don't cost you nothing. Some scripture translations will have in, in the backs a little index that when you need peace, you can go to that index and find scriptures on peace. When you're lonely, when you're tired, when you're going through struggles, you, you can go to, that, to the scripture there and find scriptures that you can read. Spend time in the Word. Spending time with Jesus. Any time we spend with Jesus is not wasted time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are victor, that you're a champion. We thank you that you model for us what it means to empty ourselves. Lent is a season of emptying ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for modeling what it means to empty ourselves. And thank you, Jesus, for modeling and showing and empowering us what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how to battle temptation. And when temptation comes, Lord Jesus, help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in your word written and spoken. Lord, help. We want to draw close to you. Just as we are, Jesus, we come. We come, Jesus, just as we are. Just as we are, we come, Jesus.